Professor, on our previous programme, I learned something I'd never realised before. Believers in God aren't the only people who have faith. Atheists have a large amount of it. In fact, a more accurate way to describe an atheist is a believer in atheism. Electronic media deluge us with information and misinformation in forms of bits and bytes. On today's Truth in the Test Tube, let's take atoms of information and combine them into molecules of meaning. Professor, what did you mean when you said a moment ago a more accurate way to describe an atheist is a believer in atheism? You sound as if atheism is a doctrine or creed. Well, it really is. Atheism is a worldview. It's a way of looking at the world through a lens. What kind of lens? Well, atheism is like the kind of glasses that a person uses for reading. These lenses focus on a printed page or a computer screen a few centimetres away. And if a person wearing those close focus lenses looks out of a window, he doesn't see trees clearly. If he tries to see stars and galaxies, he sees them just as a big blur. Are you implying atheism only sees part of reality? Yes, an atheist sees part of the facts. But he often says very confidently that the little bit he sees is all there is. In other words, if he doesn't see something, he assumes it doesn't exist. Yes, and another way of saying it is that atheism is like looking at the world through Venetian blinds. When someone looks at the world through atheistic lenses... He sees nothing except what's on the horizontal plane. He sees the material world, things that are on the human level, the animal level. But atheistic lenses screen out what's vertical, the part of reality that includes God. But some scientists say that the material world is the only thing that exists. For example, the late American astronomer Carl Sagan said... The cosmos is all that is or ever was or ever will be. Yes, Dr Sagan said that, but what evidence did he have for that statement? Well, I guess he didn't see anything except the material universe. But we all believe in things we can't see with our physical eyes. We don't doubt gravity. We don't disbelieve love. But we see the results of gravity pulling things downward. And we see the results of love inspiring people to live for a purpose higher than themselves. We Christian believers reason that we see the results of God. We see amazingly intricate structures in nature. And we reason that the most logical way to explain wise design is a wise designer. One of my friends often says, nature is an effect whose cause is God. If logic points to God, then why doesn't everyone believe in him? In his book, I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist, Dr. Norman Geisler answers, God's provided enough evidence to convince anyone willing to believe, yet he's left some ambiguity so as not to compel the unwilling. Is he saying that God doesn't provide evidence that shows with 100% certainty that he exists? Yes, God provides enough evidence to make it more logical for our intellects to imply his existence than to imply his non-existence. But God leaves enough uncertainty that a person who wants to disbelieve will not be forced to believe in God. Dr. Geisler spoke of people who are willing or 
unwilling to believe. Is he saying a person's will can keep him from evaluating evidence accurately? Does the will influence people to accept or reject facts? Several atheistic philosophers have admitted this. For example, on a previous programme, I mentioned that the late German philosopher and poet Friedrich Nietzsche had written, It's our preference that decides against Christianity, not arguments. And recently I discovered that he also said, If one were to prove this God of the Christians to us, we should be even less able to believe in him. Does he mean that the more evidence someone would provide for God, the more strongly he would resist that evidence? Yes. Professor Geisler summarises, Obviously, Nietzsche's disbelief was based on his will, not on his intellect. And that agrees very well with what the Bible says in the first chapter of Romans. Here, read verses 18 through 20. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness, since what may be known about God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. And that's what we were talking about a moment ago. God's invisible qualities of power and intelligence being seen, or at least implied, as we examine the universe he's made. But the part that says many people suppress the truth by their wickedness doesn't make sense to me. Why would a person refuse to follow the facts, whether they lead to God or away from him? Well, Dr. Geisler answers, many believe that accepting the truth of Christianity would require them to change their thinking, friends, priorities, lifestyle or morals, and they are not willing to give up control of their lives in order to make those changes. They believe that life would be easier and more fun without such changes. I've noticed that. Some people get more money by breaking God's commandment, you shall not steal. Others think they can have more fun by disobeying, you shall not commit adultery. So naturally they prefer to believe that God does not exist and that no one will punish them for breaking God's laws. Atheists apply a lot of faith in their efforts to suppress or hold down the obvious truth that nature did not create itself. They suppress the truth and reject the personal God that the Bible reveals. But doesn't the Bible suppress much of the fun in life? For example, it teaches that we should limit our sexual activity, not doing it until we're married, and then not cheating on our spouse. Doesn't that needlessly limit our fun? No, it limits our heartaches and regrets. What do you mean? Well, one marriage expert says meaningful sexual activity involves the physical union of a man and a woman in a relationship of mutual caring and intimacy. And every normal person has the physical desire for sexual activity, accompanied with the desire to know and be known, to love and be loved. And both desires make up the real request for intimacy in a relationship. Sexual intercourse represents only one ingredient that allows us to experience true intimacy. Are you saying that when two people see each other just as bodies, they fail to develop a deeper friendship and appreciation for each other? Yes. When they hurry into physical contact, 
they miss the opportunity of learning more about each other's minds and hearts, their ambitions, their aspirations. Understanding, affection and trust take time to develop. And when two people rush to touch the outer person, the body, they skip the long walks and conversation, the opportunity to know and admire the inner person. Mm, that's probably true of a man and a woman who have had sex and then marry each other. What happens when a person is sexually active with several people before he or she finally marries one of them? Well, that creates serious emotional complications. A man who's counselled many couples who've had difficulty explains that he's learned a maximum sexual relationship exists where mutual communication, understanding, affection, trust are formed and two people have committed themselves to each other in a permanent relationship. And the more of these qualities that are present, the deeper the intimacy and the more meaningful the relationship. It becomes more valuable as time passes because it's, it's one of a kind, it's unique. And he continues, To spread the intimacy around through a variety of sexual liaisons destroys the accumulated value of the previous relationships. It dilutes and scatters in little doses to a number of people what one has to give. That reminds me of a song that was popular several years ago. I'm saving all my love for you. Yes, human experience shows that saving yourself for one person is much more satisfying in the long term. So all of us suppress something. Atheists suppress their knowledge that God exists so they can indulge in behaviour that they know would displease God if they admitted he exists. And people who follow God's instructions in the Bible temporarily suppress their sexual impulses, holding them until marriage. And the choice is, is like having spam at five o'clock or waiting and having filet mignon at 7.30. Experience shows that people are more satisfied over a lifetime when they accept the fact that God exists and understand that he's given us in the Bible guidelines for behavior that give us the best benefits and the greatest long-term satisfaction. This has been Truth in the Test Tube, looking at truth through the twin lenses of the world that God created and the Bible that God inspired. If you live in India, our email address is testtube at radio882.com. That's testtube at radio882.com. Elsewhere on planet Earth, use Truth Test at truthinthetesttube.org. Truth Test at truthinthetesttube.org. We would be happy to hear from you and feel free to send your reactions to anything we said today. And please join us again for additional episodes of Truth in the Test Tube.